Uh, might not be somebody that you've heard about or read a lot about, or just maybe you you remember the name in Scripture, but you're you're not sure of her story. But but she is one of my one of the favorite Christmas stories. Part of the Christmas story that we get to is as as a lot of it parallels and lines up with Mary and Joseph's story, the story of Jesus. We're going to read about Elizabeth here in chapter Luke, verses one, uh, chapter one, verses eleven through twenty-five. Amen. So it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. He was smart not to call his wife old, right? He said just a little bit advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. And now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. That's Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 25. The, the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and ultimately their son that would be born to be named John. Right. So let's start here. Why, why am I, I waiting? Have you ever asked that question? Why am I waiting? Why do I have? Why am I waiting so long? Why Why am I still waiting for for this to happen? What's going on? Why is this taking so long? Where's the results? Where's the thing? Where's the answer? Why am I waiting? We agreed last week that waiting in most situations isn't the greatest time, right? It's not fun to wait. If it's in drive-through line, or if it's for a child to come, or if it's for for the person to come that we want to that we end up marrying, whatever it may be, for the job promotion, for things to work out for us, for us to get financially stable, whatever it may be that you're waiting for, it's not fun to wait. And it wasn't fun for Elizabeth to wait, but it wasn't fun for her for a lot of different reasons, and mostly because what we don't understand is is her waiting came with a lot of of pain and suffering. You know, we look at the cultural norms now and the cultural norms then, they're very different. Right now, in, in the world the way the world is, you know, if somebody gets married and they don't have a, a kid, they decide not to have kids at all, or they decide to wait a couple of years to have kids, you know, so that, that's normal. You know, that's acceptable. Everybody's okay with that, except for maybe the, the grandparents. They might want it to be hurried up a little bit, but, you know, everybody's okay with that. And even when women are, are found out that they're, you know, barren, that they can't have children, you know, society for the most part really comes around that woman. They encourage them. The family tries to, you know, help them see what alternatives they have. Doctors will help them, you know, see different options. You know, maybe somebody will help them get an adoption. Things. Society for the most part helps a woman that, that is barren and that has a hard time having children. It wasn't that way back then. To be able to not have kids even after a few years of being married was, was seen as to be reproachful. 
It meant that you had angered God in some way. It meant that God's presence had, had left your house. It was very different. Many people believed that that was a punishment from God for you not to be able to have children. So here, here she is, Elizabeth. Years and years, she said they were in their old age. She's still not been able to have a child. Marriage says they were you know, young people and, they, and they've waited and they've tried no doubt and she's unable to bear a child. Children at that point in history was, for, for the Israelites especially, they viewed it as God's sign that he was still blessing Israel. For a person not to have a child was basically to say that he had withheld or removed the blessing from your household. This was a shameful thing to happen. And see, we're waiting and waiting through decade after decade to have a child and, and it just never comes. And I say she probably did ask, why am I waiting? Why am I waiting? I can, I can just imagine as she would go to the market, you know, to buy certain things or to trade certain things or, or whenever she was at a community gathering of some kind, during one of the festivals that they, they would celebrate throughout the year, whenever they would, she would be around strangers, maybe even family, she would, she would see the stairs as she would walk by somebody. She would hear the hushed whispers, oh, that's, that's Elizabeth. That's the one that's barren. Maybe she would see the families with kids Nieces and nephews and different ones. People she was related to. Strangers walking down the street with, with four or five kids in tow and think, why am I waiting? Why? Cry out to God, why am I waiting for this? What did I do wrong? Because if they didn't say it to her face, they all were thinking it. What did Elizabeth do? What did Elizabeth do to deserve this? What, what way did she sin? What wrong thing did she do? How did she mess up so that she doesn't have these children? That she's still waiting for things to change? What happened? What did she do? That was the society. That was the world. That was the culture. That was the life that she lived with day in and day out. Why am I waiting? Why am I still waiting? Why hasn't it changed? Why hasn't he sent something? Why haven't I been able to have a child? Why hasn't he answered? Why am I waiting? And it wasn't fun. And it brought so much shame and disgrace upon her and her life and her home. Zacharias as well. And she didn't know the answer. She didn't understand, understand why she was still, still waiting. What we don't understand is that is that we're not the only ones in different situations that ultimately there's there's threads, right? Most things that happen in life affect other things. Do you understand that? There's always a cause and effect usually of something. Very few things happen in isolation and stay in isolation and don't have some kind of consequence outside of the action. You do something, if you get up a little bit earlier, it's going to mean that you're behind, in front of a different car that you would have been behind in the drive-thru line. If you wait, go a little later, you'll be behind that car, right? Everything you do has a, has a cause and effect. That's just what happens, right? What time you wake up, what time you go to sleep, it changes things, it alters things. And that's what we see here. But a lot of times we, we, like to, we, we just think that, that our actions are just a single thread. Nothing intertwines with it, nothing affects it, nothing changes it. And we see that, right? We do things, we want things, we ask for things, we seek things, and we think about how that affects our life, how it would make our life better, how it would improve our situation of living, how it would bless us, how it would feel good for us if this were to happen at this point at this time. But we, also, we oftentimes don't think about the consequence of the world around us when that thing happens. Think of it this way. It's Christmas time. Two little boys, they go to the store. 
There's one, one toy that they both love, right? They're not at the same time, but they, they go by and they see it. There's only one left. And they both go home, and they ask for it. They both want it, they ask for it, and they both wait for it. Christmas morning comes, and the reality is is that one of them will not get it. One can, and one won't. The one that gets it doesn't think about how the sad that one that didn't get it is. And the one that didn't get it isn't thinking about how happy it made the other one that got it. They're just thinking about the effect on, on their life. Elizabeth was thinking about her life. I mean, it's understandable. That's what we do. It's very, we, it's hard to think about how our, what our decisions, how what we do, how what we want will affect other people. But what we begin to see in Scripture is that we ultimately look at things through a very narrow scope, very focused on ourselves, our four no more, our little lives, and we have a hard time seeing the bigger picture. But what Scripture teaches us is that God sees the bigger picture. Right. He sees things on a grander scale with a much better focus than we do. He can see it all working out on a much better, well, more defined picture. Did you know that Jesus wasn't the only one that was prophesied that would come in the Old Testament? We talk about Jesus. It's Christmas. We talk about how the Messianic prophecy, we talk about how those things were laid out, that he would come out of Bethlehem, that you know he would be crucified. We understand that looking back, I mean, he's crucified, that he wouldn't you know, have having bones broken with him, that he would do certain things at certain times, be at certain places, do you know, all these kind of things. We understand that. But there was another man that was prophesied that would come in the Old Testament that came in the New Testament, right? Three different places. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, which is what we'll read in just a second. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, and Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Right? So this is Isaiah 40, 3 through 5. It says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 40, 3 through 5. This is the prophecy in Malachi, and those two verses in Malachi are prophesying the coming of John the Baptist, who we call the forerunner of Christ. Now, Elizabeth didn't know that, right? So let's break it down. Let's understand it. God knew that Elizabeth wanted a child. That wasn't no surprise. It, it wasn't like he hadn't heard her prayers. It wasn't like he hadn't seen her desires and seen her tears. It wasn't like he didn't know what was happening. It wasn't like that he didn't know her desires. He knew. He knew good and well she wanted a child. But he knew some other things too. He knew that he was going to send his son into this world to be the, the propitiation of our sins, the forgiveness that we need, the sacrifice to atone for all of our, all our wrongs. He knew that. He knew he was, he, that he would need somebody to go before him, though. There would be a forerunner that would prepare the way for him just enough so that when Jesus came into the world, it would go a little bit smoother and Jesus wouldn't be starting from scratch. He also knew that Elizabeth had a relative named Mary that, that, that had favor, viewed highly favorable is what Gabriel said. And God knew that I'm going to use that Mary to bring this son. But, but he also knew that, that if he sent John too early, then people might listen to John for a season. But they might grow bored of him whenever what he was talking about didn't come to fruition. He realized that people might get interested in something else, move on from John, get grow tired of John, that the people that didn't like John weren't going to like him anyway, and they might have killed John. And if he sent John several years too early, then guess what? The way wouldn't have been ready. Because, because John was already gone, passed on, done his own thing. So Elizabeth had to wait for that. Now, Elizabeth didn't see this throughout the waiting. Did she understand this? Did she read these scriptures and look at Isaiah, what Isaiah said or what Malachi said? Well, that's why I'm waiting. 
Because I'm waiting because my son's going to be the forerunner and we're waiting on Jesus to come, so I have to wait a little bit longer to have a child. She didn't see that in the waiting. She didn't understand that concept. She didn't understand that the reason she was waiting was for the greater good of everybody and for the work of Christ to have more affluence and more and have, have a better road to walk on. She didn't understand that. She just knew she was waiting. She knew the waiting was hard. And she saw her waiting. And she saw her struggle. And she didn't see everything else that was intertwined in it. But God did. God saw how everything else was working together. And she didn't know it. She didn't see it. And it hurt. And she didn't understand why she had to wait so long, but God had a plan. That if, if he would have said, oh, I'm sorry that you've waited so long, Elizabeth, we're going to go ahead, we'll give it to you early. It's going to mess some other things up, though. He knew he had, things had to go a certain way, had to be intertwined, and, and that thread had to be brought in at the right place, or it would just throw everything off. But we don't understand that in the waiting, because we don't see it. We might see it hindsight. Well, in 2020 is, is perfect vision, right? Looking back, everything makes sense and it's a whole, lot clear, a whole lot more clear. But when we're in it, when we're in the waiting, when we're going through the struggle, when it's been years and years and years and we're still waiting, we don't understand why we're still waiting. We're still crying out to God, Why am I waiting? What did I do? How did I offend you? How did I hurt you? What did I do wrong? Where did I mess up? Where did I take the wrong path? What do I need to do so that I can stop waiting and get the fruits of what I want? And God's sitting there, He's like, I'm working on something. Something that you can't see. Something that you're not aware of. Something that you can't even contemplate. All the, all the ramifications of the decisions that are going on right now. But I'm waiting. I know you're waiting, but I've got it in the works. And I've got a plan. But we don't see that. And it's hard to, to be okay with that while we're waiting. But I want you to know and I want you to have that confidence that, that just because you're waiting doesn't mean God's not doing something. That just because you're still waiting doesn't mean God's forgotten. That just because you're waiting doesn't mean God's not going to answer. Just because it's been years and years and years and it seems like it's not going to happen doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. See, what we see is just a single line God sees as a great tapestry. That He is weaving together one thread at a time. In my life, it has a lot of impact and, and, and consequences with everybody else's life. And so does yours. And we have to understand that God sees the bigger picture that we can't see. And we have to come to a place where we can trust Him. Yeah. That we can trust Him Amen. with our thread. And say, so you take my thread, Lord, and you intertwine it the way you want to intertwine it. You weave it the way you want to weave it. You know what my desires are. You know what I'm seeking. You know what I've been praying for. You know, you know what I've been crying out for. And you know the waiting's hard. You know it's hard on me. You hear me cry at night. You hear me struggle. You see what I've gone through. You see what I'm facing. You know what I'm going through. But here's my thread. You make it into what you want to make it into. And I'll keep waiting. Until you bring it out. And I'm thankful that we can have that trust and that faith in Him that He is working something when we can't even see it. Elizabeth didn't know it. We don't always know it. We don't always know what God is doing, but we know, we know that God is working something from our thread, something from our singular life for the greater good, for the good of, of us, and for the good of those that are around us. Yeah, God could give each and every one of us exactly what we want when we want it right in that moment and it would just mess the whole thing up. But God knows better than we do. God sees more than we do. 
God understands more than we do. He sees the past, present, and the future. He understands it all. He knows how things are working. And He sees all the threads. And He sees how it comes into completion. For we can't, right? Because we can't, we can't contemplate all that. The Bible says His ways, His thoughts are much higher than our ways and our thoughts. If we begin to try to think about how everything was going to come together, we, it would just blow our minds, right? We just couldn't, we just couldn't think of it all. But God does. But what I love, I love how God will use our hardest times to prepare us to help others. Very quickly, I want to read Luke chapter one, verse forty-five. So this is a few verses after what we read at the start of the uh, start of the sermon, right? It says, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Okay? The context of where this comes in at. We see Zacharias go into the temple. Angel comes to him. Right? Angel says, you're going to have a kid. Zacharias doesn't believe. He's muted. He comes out. Elizabeth gets pregnant. They, you know, go on. Eventually we know that he is, you know, able to regain his speech to say that, you know, John's going to be his name. Right? Well, during that point, Mary was visited by Gabriel as well. He said, you're going to have a child. And he tells her, tells her in, that, in, in that talk, he says, your, your relative, Elizabeth, who's old, and everybody thought she was barren, is going to have a child as well. There came a point, and that's where we get in the scripture, that, that Mary decides to go visit Elizabeth. Right. We don't understand why. We're not told why. We're not told the situation. But we'll elaborate and we'll, we'll, get, we'll try to give a view into that in just a moment. But she goes. See Elizabeth. She goes to see Elizabeth. The Bible says when she entered into the house, she called out for Elizabeth that, that Elizabeth got excited and, and, and the child that was in her womb jumped at the sound of her voice. The Bible says that Elizabeth's filled with the Holy Spirit at this time because she understood and the, and the baby, John the Baptist, in the womb understood what was within Mary. And it was Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. But then after that, this is where the conversation kind of ties up, at least for what we see. This is what Elizabeth tells to Mary. She says, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Man, understand. What do we see here? We see somebody that has learned something from their waiting. Because ultimately, Elizabeth could have been saying that very same thing to herself. And no doubt at some point she had said that to herself. Blessed is she who believed. Did she not believe? Elizabeth believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Zacharias comes home. He couldn't talk to her, but no doubt he communicated what was being what had been told to him some way faster form there in the in the temple. He said that you're going to have a child. Well, guess what? A few months later, she finds out she's conceived. Blessed he that she that has believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Let me put it this way. Come here, go. This is what I, as we just as I study this is is we come to this point. I want you to understand. Gilbert's Mary, right? Mary comes in to the house. We don't know why she came, but we can imagine that she had been through a lot of reproach from her community that was back home. She was the unwed mother of a child. They hadn't even been married, and here she is carrying a child. Joseph, no doubt, word got out, Joseph was going to put her away privately, but he stayed for some reason. But Mary goes on, maybe just to get away from it for a little while. Maybe to see some family, maybe to see somebody that she thought she could get some love from. 
And, Elizabeth, and we'll just we'll view it this way. She comes in, Elizabeth goes to her and says, I know how hard it is. I know how it hurts to be stared at, to be laughed at, to be ridiculed. I know it hurts to hear the whispers, Mary. I know it's hard because I've been there in my own waiting. But let me tell you what I learned while I was waiting. And we too, we too should be that one that we go through the difficult times of waiting. And maybe God has finally brought us out, right? We can see the end in sight. And we see a brother or sister that is walking through the same thing and we put our arm around them. It says, I know how hard it is to wait. And I know how hard it is just to struggle through the moment each and every day. But let me tell you what I've learned from my Jesus. Let me tell you what I learned while I was waiting. Let me tell you what I learned while I was going through those hard times so that you can learn it. And so that you can have that wisdom and you can have that knowledge and you can have that understanding. Because I've walked that road too. And I've been on that path too. And I've felt that hurt and I've felt that shame and I've felt that grief. I've had those same looks you're getting, honey. It's going to be okay because the waiting does come to an end. And I'm thankful. You can go sit down. I'm thankful that we have lessons that we can learn from the waiting that we can then share with those that are waiting still. And that's what we see here is a woman who has learned something from her waiting. She said, honey, let's just break it down. Honey, don't you worry. You believe what God has said because I believe what God has said. And guess what? I'm carrying one too and God's going to answer to you and take care of you just like He's taking care of me. Understand this. If Elizabeth had had children as soon as she wanted to, and never felt the shame and reproach from society, never felt the guilt of not being able to bear children for her husband, would she have received Mary the same way that she did? No. She would have treated Mary like everybody else in society. But Elizabeth understood Mary, so she received Mary. We should understand what people go through because we have went through things in our waiting, in our trouble, in the meantime, in the, way, in the middle of the nowhere when we don't know what's going on. We've experienced those things. So that the lessons that we've learned there should prepare us to receive those that walk the same path, that go through the same things, that experience that same season of waiting and struggle and hurt that we have. We should use our lessons that we've learned to receive them and to help them and to encourage them and to strengthen them. See, it was easy for Elizabeth to believe the story that an angel had come to Mary and told her she was going to have a child because something very similar happened in her waiting. But if that had never happened in her waiting, if she'd had John 10, 15 years ago just because through the natural means and everything just worked out the way they planned it, when Mary comes saying that an angel had talked to her, she might have been a little bit unbelieving, had a little bit of doubt had a little bit of the scoffing and being like, Mary, just tell me the truth. What happened? But no, because of what she'd learned through her waiting, she could believe Mary and she could receive Mary and she could assist Mary and help her through her struggles. We, as Christians, as humans, go through seasons of waiting. And if we're willing to listen, there's a lot of lessons we can learn from the waiting from the hard times, from the time where nothing's happening, it seems like. 
But those lessons that we've learned aren't just for us. Those lessons that we've learned are to be shared with others when they're in a similar, similar place, when they're going through a time of waiting and a period of struggle and a period of hardship. When we see the similarities of the road we've walked and where they're at right now, we can share those lessons with them. And that's what we see from Elizabeth. We see a woman that was scorned, that was reproached. She was disgraced. She carried a lot of shame. She wasn't treated well. Because for, for most, of, most of her fam, family, friends, society, culture around her, there's something wrong with her. Something wrong with her. And here comes Mary. They were saying a lot of the same things about Mary. They were about Elizabeth. But Elizabeth was moved to kindness because of what she'd experienced in the waiting. And we too should be moved to kindness and to love and compassion and charity and encouragement due to what we have experienced in our waiting when we see somebody else in their waiting. Amen. I'm thankful. I read this scripture, man, and, and as I went through and of what God has given us. And, and just that idea that, that Elizabeth received Mary when others would not. It's because of the tapestry, the, 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 the image that God had seen that, that Mary didn't see all of it. And Elizabeth didn't see all of it. And Zacharias didn't see all of it. And Joseph didn't see all of it. And nobody saw all of it. But he knew that, hey, we're going to take Elizabeth's struggles here. And I know I'm going to bring this Mary in. And I'm going to put her in a difficult situation. I ain't going to say I'm not. It's going to be difficult for her. But I'm going to let these, all these threads, I'm going to weave them together. And I'm going to work them down here while Elizabeth's waiting. And while Mary's waiting. And I'm going to have them come together. And I'm going to have what Elizabeth struggled with aligned with what Mary is struggling with. So that when they come together together when those two points in time align they can make something greater than what any, any one of them could do on their own elizabeth could be that counselor that mentor that mary needs just to get through the last few months of this thing that she's going through and i'll put it together it's not just elizabeth's thread it wasn't just mary's thread it wasn't just joe he was intertwining them all to paint this image of the hope that god had given and the hope that christ gives and offers all of us it's not just your thread. It's not just my life. It's not just your life or your family. It's all of us that God is working together in His time, in His manner, in His knowledge, and in His understanding, and His greater picture of all of it, that we can trust in Him that He's going to bring it all together. If you can't read this Scripture and be confident that God is doing, can work in a whole bigger plane of existence, a higher level than we, we can even think of, then you're not really looking at it because that's what we that's what I see here. I see evidence of God's greatness and authority to not just look over my life, but to look over all of life and to weave it together in the perfect tapestry that He desires for our life to look like. And I have confidence in that. And I have trust in that. And I put my faith in that, that while I'm waiting, my thread's just not over on the side. He's weaving it into something that it needs to be. Man, he's not forgotten you. He's not just left you out to the side. He didn't leave you. He didn't leave you in the bag and say, "Well, I'll use that another time. I'll make that happen another time." Uh, he says, "I'm going to work this in right here, and they won't see it, but I see it. I see it, and I'm glad that He sees it, even when I can't. I'm glad that He knows it, even when I don't. I'm glad He understands it when I don't, and I put my faith and trust in Him that He does. Amen. And I'm thankful for that that knowledge." for that assurance, for that comfort that I have in that. Amen.